Well, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name's Philip. I lead King's Church. Uh, that meets here every Sunday, as you've already heard, and we're just really pleased to be partnering with The Rose to put on this year's carol service. So, so thank you for coming. It's just wonderful to see so many people here from across our community in Kingston and beyond uh, singing these wonderful carols together, and dancing as well. Dancing was an unexpected uh, addition, which is brilliant to see. Listen, all I'm gonna do in these next few moments is just to help us, if I may, reflect. Take a moment in a busy Christmas just to reflect on Christmas as we approach it. And to do that, I wanna ask you, uh, what is your recollection of your family home growing up at Christmas. So as I recall my family home growing up at Christmas, I recall it pretty fondly on the whole. It was full of uh, fun and festivity and family and, and food, lots of food. I remember food very clearly. Even the, even the agony of compulsory Brussels sprouts was outweighed by permission to gorge, it seemed, on an abundance of roast turkey and roast potatoes and pudding and chocolate and so on. And there was one particular year, I think I was about 11, uh, when the family, the fun, and the food, and the festivity was in such plentiful supply that it seemed like it really was the perfect Christmas. Um, I was opening my final present, and this simply confirmed that it was that perfect Christmas. I was a Liverpool, Liverpool fan back then. I was a child of the 80s. Every boy was a Liverpool fan back then because they won everything. And as I opened my final Christmas present, it dawned on me that this was the Liverpool football kit that I had spent the whole year thinking about, hinting about, petitioning for, asking for. I couldn't believe my parents had bought it for me. They'd actually spent all this money on the Liverpool kit that it was, I think back in 1989, something like that. And the sense of elation was almost too much. This was the perfect Christmas. And I made a mental commitment, as most 11-year-old football mad kids do, to wear it every single day. I was going to wear it every day on Christmas, every day the next year. When you're 11, like, washing is an optional extra anyway. So I thought, I'll just wear it every single day. And as I unwrapped my present, and as I held it up to survey in all its beauty, and emotion that perfect Christmas day flooded over me that I had never felt before, and it was this, utter disappointment. It was last season's kit. <laughs> it was not the kit. It was not the up-to-date Liverpool kit that I've been asking for all season. It was the previous season's one. Now, my parents didn't have much money. I was one of four kids. They couldn't probably afford to buy the kit. But in my 11-year-old self, I didn't have that kind of perspective. So in my 11-year-old self, all I really felt was like an overwhelming sense of deflation, really. That sense of like, oh, I was, I was hoping for more this Christmas. I was expecting more. Now, I don't know what you're expecting this Christmas. Perhaps it will be packed full of festivity and family and food and fun, and I really hope it will be. And it may also contain some hard stuff in there, perhaps. Disappointment, maybe, like I experienced all those years ago, or relational tension. Maybe you deliberately arranged for the mother-in-law to come up on Southern Rail and she still arrived on time. My mother-in-law is not here, in case you're <laughs> wondering about taking my life in my hands. But in all circumstances, the message of Christianity is good news, and it's this. You can expect more in your home this Christmas because the love and the power of God is available to you in your home this Christmas. And that was essentially the message of the reading we just heard so beautifully read by the choir from the Gospel of John in the New Testament. Now, who's John? John was writing towards the end of the first century in the ancient world as an older man. He was writing kind of his reflections on what he'd witnessed of the events of the life of Jesus Christ. 
And the words that we heard read are words that we read at loads of carol services all across the world this year, and have been read really for the last 2,000 years. And there are eight particular words in that reading that I would venture to suggest are amongst the most important words ever written. And they're these. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And John's big idea, kind of contained in those eight words, is essentially this. God, the word, is incredibly powerful and indescribably loving, and he is willing to bring his power and his love to our homes, your homes, this Christmas. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Let me explain it a bit more. When John uses the word word, he's kind of using a term from the Greek philosophy of the day. And word essentially meant the source of power that gives life to the universe. Now, the ancient Greco-Roman world in which John wrote was well aware that whatever that was, whatever word was, that would have to be pretty remarkable, given how remarkable the universe is. And I guess in the 21st century, we're only more acutely aware of how remarkable the universe is because science has helped us understand it loads, hasn't it? We're now really aware of how remarkable our universe is. Let me just give you one example, if I may, of how remarkable our universe is. I'm gonna tell you about one star, okay? The star is called Canis Majoris. Now, I don't know the person who named Canis Majoris, but I like them a lot already because Canis Majoris basically means the big dog star which is a fantastic name for a star. Now, bear with me, I'm gonna go a little bit of a pace, but I think, that certainly this for me, this really blew my mind. And to understand how big Canis Majoris is, I want us to compare it to the Earth and the Sun, effectively. So, imagine this golf ball. Can you all see this golf ball? You are on this golf ball somewhere, because this golf ball represents the Earth. If the Earth were a golf ball, given that the Sun is 1.3 million times bigger than the Earth. If the Earth were a golf ball, the sun would be the size that it is here on the screen behind me. So here we are on our little golf ball on Earth in comparison to the sun. We're pretty small, our Earth's pretty small. The sun's pretty big, hey? 1.3 million times bigger than the Earth. But the sun as a star has got nothing on the big dog star. Let's see another slide which shows you the size of the big dog star in comparison to the sun. Look how small the sun is, and remember, the sun is 1.3 million times bigger than our Earth. The big dog star is a seriously big star. Let me put it in perspective for you again. The Earth is a golf ball, right? The sun is 15, feeters, 15 meters in diameter. How big proportionally do you therefore think the big dog star is, if the Earth is a golf ball? Size of this theater, maybe? Size of the Houses of Parliament? Well, you're gonna think it needs to get a little bit bigger than that. If the Earth is a golf ball, and the sun is 15 feet in diameter, therefore, the big dog star is the size of Mount Everest. So, in your mind's eye, jump on a plane, go to Nepal, take your golf ball with you, put it at the base of Mount Everest, look up, and if you could see the summit of Mount Everest, you would have an idea of the size of the big dog star in comparison to the Earth. It is huge. And, Although the big dog star is a big star, it's one star out of hundreds of billions of stars in our galaxy, and our galaxy is one galaxy out of a hundred billion galaxies. Our universe is incredible, isn't it? Now, what on earth does that have to do with our homes and Christmas? Well, it's this. If there is a word, which remember means the source of power that gave life to the universe, 
That must be pretty incredible, yeah? And John, in our reading, he gives us the Christian worldview for what the word is, pretty succinctly. It was the first thing he said. The word was God. But believe it or not, what shook the first century, and in fact changed the course of history, was not whether the word was God or not. Actually, it was, it was John's statement that we've been focusing on so far this afternoon. What really changed the course of history was John's statement, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, that which is the source of the big dog star and the cosmos and life itself became a human, became a baby. I was just telling the people in the front row here just now that seven weeks ago, uh, my wife and I became parents for the first time. Uh, so I've been a dad, kind of a little R, surely? There we go. So I've been a dad now for, for seven weeks uh, to a little girl called Isabella. In fact, you've already met Isabella because you saw her uh, playing the part of the baby Jesus in the first video in the Nativity. Shameless past the cliche, I know that your child gets to play the part of baby Jesus. I thought she played the part with incredible uh, depth, character. Um, you'll have noticed that she's been blessed with a fairly fulsome head of hair, thereby concluding that she's got her mother's genes, not her father's genes. But indulgent dad moment aside, and thank you for indulging me, I've noticed something about Isabella, especially when I'm feeding her and changing her and all of those kinds of things. And I know it's really obvious, but I've noticed just how vulnerable she is, just how fragile, just how dependent she is. Not only is she human, but she's fragile and dependent and vulnerable. There's literally nothing she can do on her own other than fill her nappy with considerable gusto. <laughs> she is human, but more so, she's vulnerable and fragile and dependent. And the Christmas story is telling us that God came to earth as a baby. Fragile and vulnerable and Dependent, and not just vulnerable in the sense that Isabella is vulnerable because they need everything doing for them. Jesus Christ was far more vulnerable than that. He came to earth as a baby, but one who was born into poverty, one who was born into scandal, one who was born into uncertainty. By the time he was two, he was a, a refugee. Could it be true? Here's my question for you. Could it be true that at Christmas, the word the cosmic designing God that formed a star like the big dog star, which is seven quadrillion times the size of Earth, became a human, a baby, vulnerable, fragile, knowable. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And if it is, if that is true, why would he do that? Why would the cosmic become human? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, God came to earth to make a home with us, to love us, to love you. God chose from birth onwards and actually throughout the life of Jesus Christ to experience all of the fragility and the, the vulnerability of the human condition and take it upon himself in order to bring wholeness and restoration and healing to it. So with God in our homes this Christmas, you can expect more with that kind of God in your home this Christmas. You, know, you may well have a brilliant Christmas this year. Fun, festivity, family and food. I really hope and pray that you do. 
But you may also have a, a last season's football, Liverpool football kit moment. A sense of, oh, that's, that's hard. Oh, that's just disappointing. I was expecting more. And the message of Christmas is that you can expect more because God has come to make his home with us, with you. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Right at the very end of his life, John was a very old man, gave his final reflections really on on who Jesus was and and what it meant to respond to him. And he wrote down these words and, and they're the words that Jesus effectively speaks to people, speaks to us in this theater this afternoon. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. That's the nature of Jesus. He doesn't force himself upon us. He knocks. And if we respond by opening the door and inviting him into our homes this Christmas, he brings the power and the love that we need. And in many ways, that that verse kind of sums up who we are as a church. We are a community of people exploring together what it means every day of our lives to open the door to God, to let him in, to understand more about who he is and what his purposes are for our lives. And if as the new year comes around, you think, I'd like to do that as well. You'd be ever so welcome to come and explore with us what it means to open the door to God each day, to understand who he is and his love for us and his purposes for our lives. And just speaking personally, if I may, I, I and I think many others in our church have found that process, that lifestyle, to be life-changing. And think about it, 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 it must be, I think, to, to open the door of your home, of your life, to a God who, on the one hand, is mighty enough to put stars, like the big dog star, into the galaxy, and the galaxy to be one of 100 billion galaxies. And at the same time, so loving and humble and gentle that he's born as a baby vulnerable and fragile. I found that a God like that is to be trusted and that he brings the power and the love that I need to make life work, let alone Christmas. So before Ross leads us in our our next carol, I'm just gonna take a moment to pray, if I may. I'm just gonna use these little moments that we have of quiet and reflection just to, to pray. I'm gonna pray for anyone at all who might wish in whatever way is where you're at at the moment to, as it were, open your door to God in your home this Christmas. So I'm just gonna pray, and if you feel comfortable doing so, if you don't, that's totally fine. If you feel comfortable doing so, just pray along with me in the quiet of your mind, as it were, as to what it might mean for you to open the door to a God of power and love this Christmas. So let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love every single person in this theater this afternoon, young and old. I thank you that you love us so much that you left your home of cosmic, heavenly splendor and you were born as a vulnerable, fragile baby and you experienced all of the vulnerability and fragility of the human race in order that you might make your home with us. And so I pray for any of us who wish to open our door to you this Christmas, whether it's just ajar or wide open, whether it's for the very first time or for a fresh time, I pray, Jesus, that you would enter, that you would make your home with us, and that you would bring the power and the love that we need this Christmas 
and in 2018. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. All that remains for me to do is to wish you a very, very happy Christmas, a wonderful new year, and why don't we stand and sing our next carol, George the World.